Welcome to Sacrifice to Success Podcast. My name is David Weaver, and I am the owner of The Forgotten Heart Project. My mission is to help others create freedom in every aspect of their life. In this season of the podcast, we are talking life, business, and what makes you feel alive. We are speaking with business owners and entrepreneurs from all over, hearing about the sacrifices, the learnings, the twists, the turns, the ups and downs, and the successes that they have had in life and business. These are their stories. All right. Welcome, everybody. Today, I have with me Chris Prefontaine. Welcome, Chris. Hey, uh, thank you, David. Uh, actually, most hosts say, okay, how do you pronounce that? And you didn't even ask and you did it perfectly. So nice. I, I, nice I took a gamble. I know. I yeah. asked the last guest that I interviewed and it was an easy one, but this one I just went with. Oh, it. Nice job. <laughs> cool. Well, welcome. And uh, so tell us a little bit about yourself and your business. Yeah. So I've been at this 30 years. So I'll give you the high points and you can peel it back later, however you want. But um, I started way back in 91. Um, and that ranged from building homes, you know, new construction to raise the roof projects to condominium conversions, all kinds of stuff. T touched a lot of niches. I sold my uh, brokerage to Coa Banker in 2000. And then that kind of led up to the, the lovely debacle, I call it the crash of 08. Um, you couldn't have told me that it was a good thing then, but in hindsight, it literally paved the way and set up everything we're doing since then, which is pretty cool. So we came out of that, or I came out of that going, all right, do I even want to get back into real estate and um, set up some new rules, so to speak. And that were things like no, no bank financing, no borrowing money, period, no signing your name. And so we buy everything on, on terms creatively. Um, and that's what we do in our own home area, hometown, my son-in-law and son. And then we coach people to do that all over the country. I think there's an enormous um, sort of gap in the industry where people take a course and then they don't go do deals. Like it's crazy how much money they spend and don't get anywhere. So yeah. we actually do deals with students in the field interactively, hands-on. Hands and we revenue share and we're in the deal with them. So that's a thumbnail sketch for 30 and a half years. <laughs> I love it. Okay. So let's jump into what exactly that looks like. Cause I'm not very familiar with it. And I would imagine a bunch of my guests aren't either with sure. the, the term stuff. So talk to us about that. Explain that. Okay, good. Thank you. Yeah. I always assume even with our own students, like everybody knows what's in my brain. So uh, when I say terms, it means creative financing. And, and more specifically, we only buy properties three ways. Lease okay. purchase, where we control the property, but don't take ownership. Owner financing, which is, you know, it's been around since 1600s. This isn't new. We just wrapped a system around it. And then third is what's called subject to existing financing. That's when more of a stressful situation, because some of these aren't, where you might be, you need debt relief tomorrow, or you're behind, or your forbearance from COVID is coming due and you can't pay it. Like you need a fix now and you're willing to sell me your home, but the loan stays in your name. I pay it, but it stays in your name. So we love those deals because they're longer term deals. But those are the three kind of buckets, if you will, that we buy in. Some are debt-free, some are totally stressed and behind. So this, it runs the gamut. Mm. Okay. So how does that work if you somebody's behind, they need a solution now, you buy it, but it stays in their name? What's the benefit of you buying it? Uh, on our end? Yes. Well, we own, okay, so let's, I'll give you a scenario because I, I think real scenarios are best. We had a, a house near us here in Cape Cod. It's a, it's a tourist area. It's about an hour from here where I'm speaking to. And it was a couple and they were getting a divorce. Uh, this is like not too long ago. House is worth on the open market. It went on the market for about four and a quarter. 
They didn't sell it. It expired. Expired listing simply means the realtors couldn't sell it. It's a big source for us. Um, not only were they getting divorced, but it was not a friendly one. So they wanted closure. And then further in the conversation, they told us, oh, by the way, we are also $4,100 in arrears. So now you got, they're arguing, they're in different parts of two different states. They got a house sitting there that's in arrears and probably just going to get foreclosed on and screw up both their credits, right? Mm -hmm. So we bought that home. Like, just like you can go buy a home tomorrow for yourself. And the list says, if you bought a home, usually you go to the attorneys, you have a settlement statement. And on that statement, it shows your new loan coming to the table, so to speak, to buy the house. The only mm -hmm. difference with this transaction was we closed it. And on the settlement statement, it said existing loan. So no new money came in place. The existing loan stays in place. And we just stopped making those payments after the closing, but it stays in their name because they guaranteed it years ago, whatever it was. A benefit, we depreciate it. We exit all our deals the same way. So no matter how we buy, we exit with a rent to own buyer and we help them get cashed out over the next ensuing years. But in doing that, uh, then I'll be quiet and you can kind of pick it apart. We create three paydays per deal. So for all these years in real estate, I'm not complaining. I got good pay from it, but there were one payday deals. Like I go do a deal, I get paid, I got to go do it again. Sort of a treadmill for a lot of real estate investors. So th yeah. the way we do it is three paydays. We've trademarked it federally. Uh, it's a pretty cool system. So people get paid now, they get paid monthly, and they get paid long-term. That's kind of like an ideal cash flow model for any business, but that's what we do with our houses. Okay, cool. Yeah, I mean, we don't need to get all super into the weeds with that. That sounds uh, I think that'll go deep. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, okay. So what, obviously the big crash back in 2008, it made you, you shift, like what was the, I guess not the catalyst, but, but how did you kind of discover all of these different other, other ways and decide to go down that path? Uh, pain. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, it was ugly. I had, uh, I'll tell you what, what drove it. I had 23 or so properties bought the conventional way that any of your listeners probably know, hey, I go get a down payment, I save up, I buy, or I get an investor to save up with me and then I buy and I get a loan, I sign on it. Well, mm -hmm. when the market crashed, the banks obviously come to the guarantor. That was me. So it got real stressful between IRS and repossessions and like everything that you could possibly get, credit cards, everybody calling you. It got real ugly. So from February of 08, I remember like it was yesterday through February of 12, that was like a workout four years of wasted time where I had a workout foreclosures and sell-offs and bank negotiations, all that junk. So then to even come back in the industry, the impetus, I said, pain was all that stress. And I said, okay, how about we just, if we're going to do this, how about we establish some rules that will not ever put us back there again, regardless of what the market does. And that's how we designed it to literally kind of thrive in all conditions. Like COVID hit, I didn't, you know, who, who would know, right? And we thrive right. because whenever there's chaos and change in the market, which is always going to happen, they, they need a guide in the way we're set up. That's exactly what we do. So we literally control about 80 million in real estate, but we don't sign on any personal loans or anything like that. So it was the pain, short answer. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that sounds amazing. Um, okay. And so then you, you grew this team and how long, how big is your team now? Well, okay. So we have two different companies. One buys and sells properties the way I kind of just touched upon in our chat. That's my son-in-law and son. And then uh, that's probably a team of four or five of us now, maybe six, uh, because we don't actually get in the trenches as much anymore. We oversee that and help them. Uh, we have okay. a nice team that does that. 
but the uh, coaching team has grown to about 10 or 11 employees around the country. Um, the, one of the advantages of it, as you know, with COVID is we get some great people spread out virtually. And then we have uh, the students, we call them associates, but 140 of them all around the country doing deals and we help them. Uh, so that's okay. kind of like two, two arms of what we do. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. And so did you know right away, like that's kind of the route that you wanted to go or was it the, the coaching portion it, uh, I'm guessing was like an evolution of doing the thing first and then seeing, ah, oh, we could help other people do this. Yeah, exactly right. So we, we live near a war college uh, in Newport. Okay. So there was a gentleman who heard about me, young guy, uh, mid twenties, maybe late twenties, but he had already been to Afghanistan, like nine tours. He heard about me locally and he said, Hey, I'm finally getting out. I got to go back to civilian life. I think he was going back to Cleveland. I think it was. And he said, before I do, could you show me what you do? Now I had never coached anyone. I mean, I coached back in 2000, but it was mostly realtors around us and Canada. Mm -hmm. So I said, sure. So for next to nothing, he came in my office, we did calls together. I kind of got him going and he went back. It was Oregon. Actually, he went back to Oregon and started doing real estate that started my sort of my juices flowing again. Cause when I used to coach, I loved it. You help people get from A to Z. It's quite rewarding. And you get to shop in your own sword at the same time. Uh, that led to writing a little ebook for someone that asked me to do an email to the list. And that led to like 300 names on our mailing list. And then that led to, hey, that's pretty good. That worked. Let me go talk to other people who might have people that I want to talk to in the real estate world and, and do emails like that. So long story short, I think our list now is 20,000 people or so from that 300 originally. Um, and, and you know, we do multi-millions in, in just that sector of our business. Mm, very cool. Okay, so uh, out, outside of the the four years of pain, <laughs> what are some other challenges that you've faced along the path to growth? Well, that's not, that's that never ends, unfortunately, or fortunately, you could say. Um, yeah. Here's here's what comes to mind when you ask that. I think this is good for any entrepreneur. Again, it doesn't matter if you're in real estate or anything. the The pathway, and I don't want to water it down, but the pathway from zero to a million is not that difficult. It takes a lot more of everything, like muscle. Like it takes, you stay up longer, you get up earlier, you do more calls, you do more emails, you follow up aggressively. I really think in any business, if you hustle and do that, you can get it to, to, the, to the seven figure mark. But to go from that one to three and then three to 10, those two jumps are entirely different so much so that your team doesn't even look the same and probably won't look the same so that so to go back to your question, aside from those jumps, people the, who gets on the bus with you super important. It's very strange, very rare for someone. Let's say I hired you and we were doing we crossed the million mark. It's highly unlikely that you'd be with me as we cross the three million mark. It's just a totally different person, totally different uh, animal there. So the people thing is always, always, always a, a challenge. I didn't get that when I was a solopreneur. I thought you know you grind it out. That's what I was used to for all those years until it crashed. And now I understand my role is more coaching people up to come with us. Got to coach them up, mm -hmm. got to get them to the next level. So important. So we invest a lot of money now in our team with, with coaches that we bring in from the outside. And uh, again, I never knew that. So that was a, a, an eye opener for me. Awesome. Yeah, I think that's huge. Um, so I think one of the things that people have been struggling with the past couple of years is, is finding good people for their team, yeah. much yeah. less coaching them. So what have you found has worked for you in finding good people for your team? Um, what broke it open was COVID so we could be virtual, right? So now we can much broader search because frankly, to look here, I live on an island, three town island. I mean, and I, this office building we own and it was great to everybody here, but as soon as COVID happened, we said, not only was it easier to find people, but 
there were super quality people that could do, do this virtually. Now that has even become tougher to your point now. Um, but mm-hmm. not as tough as trying to find someone locally here in a haystack and get them in our building. Um, right. So nothing tricky. I mean, here's what we approach. And this is with the help of the people we've been with consulting wise since 17 to help us scale. And that is we'll post where we have values. We have a mission. We have a purpose. So we'll post the values. We'll create a website. It's almost like you're selling, for lack of a better word, to the, empl- to the possible employees, team members of your business. You've got to sell them on you. And so we do that via your website and we drive them to the website, just like you would if you and I were selling a product, you're going to drive them to a website. Same thing. We got to make sure we vet them and they vet us and that we bring them into the right culture. And then we pick them based on values. Okay. Yeah. And would you, do you think that the COVID broke things open virtually just because of the fact that everybody was now forced to be virtual? So it became the norm and it became okay. Or was it, yeah, or was it something different? I, personally, I think you're dead on. Um, I hired our first EA executive assistant in December of 19. She was okay. virtual. And we're like, oh, we'll give this a shot because the agency we used said, this is what we do. I said, okay. We thought that was like way out of the box. And then COVID hits in March. We lose two employees. We hire two more that aren't even, again, they're not even here. I think Illinois, Indiana, California. And so, yeah, I think it became a lot more uh, the norm. It's like going to see properties. All of a sudden, it became the norm to say, Hey, I'm not going to come out. Let's do a FaceTime or a Zoom and let me see a property. That was unheard yeah. of. Like they go, what are you doing? You're going to buy my house, but you're not coming out. Now it's now it's not only the norm, they want you to. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think the short answer is most definitely be, it became the norm. Yeah. Yeah. But such a, yeah, there's some weird little silver linings out of this whole thing. I agree. If you look. Kind of broken things open. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Um, okay. So like, Somebody, let's say somebody's interested in what you do. Uh, they want to come take a course, get coaching. Who who is, fits that mold really well? Who's that person that you love to help coach and create what they, I'm, I'm assuming the, the goal of this is to create that lasting wealth and sustainable yeah. early retirement, all that stuff. Super good question. So we've got our avatars, you can imagine. I'll name some things to your question. We're seeing a major success rate and influx of people that are in corporate America. So if your listeners fit this that are strong earners, like either high five or well into the six-figure earners, but they're just done with the J-O-B. And I understand COVID drove a lot of that, and I'm thankful for that. But still, before COVID, this was happening, where they wanted more, they wanted different, they wanted to create their own lifestyle. So they come to us by the droves. I mean, I mean, since COVID, I'm talking even attorneys, doctors, surgeons coming to us and going, yeah, can you show me how to make a switch over the next two years? That's amazing when they have that kind of paying job. But they also know without them, it's done. So that's one. Second, we tend to attract because we're family. We tend to attract someone that is either in a family company, witnessed a family company, or always wanted to have their own business like that. So we'll get people calling going, hey, I saw how you have your kids. I mean, they're adults now, but I see how you have your kids in the business. And my kids are, say, high school, and I want to know how to do that. And so there's a lot of that going on. Um, and then people that are just constant learners. I know this kind of people think, okay, well, that, everybody does. Not really. People who really, really want to constantly progress and learn because that's our culture. We don't sit still. We, we're constantly teaching people. So, for example, we teach um, mindset, skill set, and systems. It's what we call a genius model because there's a lot of people that teach real estate. You know, you and I know that. But oh yeah, why is it that I teach the same course, but somebody comes out of the gate and they do a deal in 30 days, and some do it in 30, 365? It's all mindset all mindset. People have to kind of change to go into this endeavor. So people that are willing to do that, and this is not a get rich quick. I'm going to scream that from the rooftops. 
it's you got to be going through this process. And if you want to do that, that's who we tend to attract. Nice. Okay. So that brings me to another question that I was interested in talking to you about, which is this family dynamic thing. So lots of people enter into business and family and it can go really well and it can go yeah. really not well. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, and, and you've been an entrepreneur for a long time. So what are some of the keys that you found in making that work really well? Yeah. So I grew up in a family company. Um, let me preface it with this. It was not real estate, but from sweeping the floors at age 10 till my, my dad sold in 91 when I was in my twenties, I was in that environment, not mature enough to know, understand it all, but I was in the environment. So here's what's worked for us. If this helps the listeners, it's not about people always go, yeah, but don't you get in arguments and do you bring it home? It's not about opinion. It's not about what age. It's not about experience. Even when we established the mission of the company, and the values, it was a vote. It wasn't Chris saying, Hey, this is what we're going to lead by and hire and fire by nope and make decisions by it was do we all vote on these four or five values? Yeah. Okay, great. So now if you're in a conference room and there's a decision we made, you just double check it against the values and the purpose and the mission of the company. And there's been many things we go, oh yeah, that doesn't fit. It's so it's, no opinions come in. It's, hey, you guys voted on this. This is not working. It's not how it goes. So that helps. The other thing that helps is we sort of have rules. We don't live next to each other anymore. But at one time, David, you get a kick out of this. We used to live like my my son's house was here. Mine was here. and and. Kayla and Zach, my son-in-law, were behind us. So we would walk to the office and get home and see each other in the driveway and just yell across, how was your day? Like we never saw each other. So we <laughs> don't bring the crap home. If it's a win, I don't mind talking about it, but no crap, like no challenges, no, you know, the students whining, none of that. Just if you have a win, great. But if you don't, you don't talk about it until you're at the office. Nice. I love that. And I would imagine too, you have like clearly defined roles and like job descriptions of like, you do this, I do that. Do, yeah. do you have that? And does that help as well? We do not written job descriptions. I think it puts people in a box, but I know where you're going. Like, sure. yes, people sure. understand their lane and people say, well, okay. So did you like set all this up and do an org chat? I wish I could tell you I was that smart. All I did was in, in 2000, let me think 14, Nick, I needed some help. And Nick, my son said, yeah, I'll help you out with the buyers. And then at 15, my son-in-law, Zach, and my daughter, Kayla came and said, Hey, we've been in the bartending business. It gets kind of old, even though it's good money. Schedule stinks. Can we come in and look at you, the business? I said, yeah, if you want to do it on a deal-by-deal -deal basis, let's do it. Well, that all led to everybody kind of getting in their lane without anyone saying anything. Nick liked the buyers. Kayla liked running the office. Zach liked doing the sellers. Luckily, that everybody just organically yeah. fell in their roles. <laughs> to this day, that's what we do. Yeah, that's cool. That That is fortunate because I think sometimes that's that's not the case. And I agree. It, it needs... It needs to be like really clearly defined so that people still like each other at the end of the day. Yeah. And of course, you know, as an entrepreneur, I mean, you you can't, even if you say that that's our lane, there's a lot of cross because you're you're in entrepreneurial mode and you do what it takes. Uh, you lose an employee. Uh, someone gets sick because of COVID. Everybody just has to pitch in. And, and luckily, the team culture has grown that way. So non-family, who we consider family, but non-family, non-related parties, they do the same. They just all hands on deck. It's pretty cool culture. Awesome. So speaking of culture, what, what are the things that you think contribute to having that great culture? Um, I always give credit to the people that put us on this track, and that's elite entrepreneurs out in um, Arizona. I think at the time, like I always look for coaches that what's next? Like, where am I? Where do I have to go next? Is it sales? Is it lead gen? And that year of 17, it was, I got to find someone that can help me scale. Because to, to the point I said to you earlier, like it's a different realm, each bracket. 
So I, yeah. I started asking around and somebody led me to elite entrepreneurs. Uh, they were just starting off. They were spinoff uh, out of Infusionsoft, some leaders there that okay. knew how to scale. Yeah, uh, yeah. Bre Brett Gilliland. Um, so they would even give you a tour of Infusionsoft, like they're still friends there and they could do meetings there. So we started with them in December of 17 and established the mission, the core values and the purpose. And then a meeting rhythm that's just amazingly grown all over the years. So we do trimesterly offsites. So like we literally move from here, go to a hotel, even when it was four of us. Now it's you know 14 or whatever on the on the Zoom. So that that has helped a lot. I, I like I credit them 98% of what we do. They guide us through the scaling process that we've been through because I never did it before. Yeah, very cool. Okay, awesome. So uh what is one of the the most proud moments that you've had in your entrepreneurial journey? Um, my gosh, a bunch of them. I, I would say building this, the, these set of companies with family. Um, mm -hmm. One of my whys personally, uh, maybe it's age related, but one of my whys and my wife Kim's whys is to create the money and the income, but to do the money, the things money and income can't buy, like create experiences. So when you get to do that with your family and business and personal, like travel and things we do and I have two grandkids now, that's really cool. So I'd say all of the above with respect to the family being part of it. Cool. Yeah. So kind of like the, the accumulation of, of where you are now and all of your really, knowledge yeah, and experiences like a snapshot. create yeah. this like this cool world that you get to live in and help people and experience what you want to experience. I love it. That it right. Exactly. Where else would you want to be and, and do that next to the family? Yeah, for sure. So uh, what do you like to do outside of work that really makes you feel alive? Uh, we like to do the, the experience thing is tr uh, trips. Now with COVID, it's we're building a home up north, which was a 30-year goal. Uh, up north for me is Vermont. Uh, okay. We have the land. We, we uh, Almost a year ago now, we purchased it. It was literally a dream uh, 30 years ago. So we're starting right. construction as we speak. Uh, and then that'll be a place that the grandkids and the kids can come up as well. And we love, Kim and I love real estate, right? So that in itself is a fun project. And then we create experiences in doing that with the family. Super cool. I've never been to Vermont, but everyone I've ever talked to said, you have to go. It's like one of the coolest places. Yeah, it's ever. awesome. It's, it's actually still Vermont, which is a cool little town, ski town. Nice. Okay, great. Um, so yeah, where can guests find out more about you? Yeah. So a couple ideas, as I was saying to you off air, I'm big on free. You know, there's so many niches of real estate that that's what you have an itch to look into. I'm not so naive to think, hey, you got to you gotta look at what we're doing. I built it to literally thrive in weird markets, but I, I understand there's other stuff out there. So we have a YouTube channel. There's 150 deals there where we show the three paydays and we give you the good, the bad, the ugly. We don't just give you the fluff. Like we break it down. And if it's something that gets your interest, great. And if it's not, it's okay. You spend some time. Uh, we also have a free master's class. If you don't mind listening to my New England chat for another 55 minutes, go to <laughs> smartrealestatecoach.com forward slash master's class. And it's just, it's going to be more of a succinct A through Z. Here's how we build it. But as I told you uh, before the show, I love to offer all your guests our best selling books. And we it won't be one of those put your card in and pay for shipping. We, we're going to pay for it. It's going to cost me the cost of the book plus shipping. It's our gift for all the viewers. Just go to Wicked Smart Books dot com and i gotta make sure i have your link right dot com slash sacrifice to success so wickedsmartbooks.com forward slash sacrifice to success you'll get the best selling book uh, real estate on your terms you'll get the deal structure overtime book which brings you even deeper behind the scenes with the deals where most frankly educators won't tell you about and uh some other goodies in there awesome that sounds amazing thank you for for offering all those resources you bet
Okay, cool. Well, um, let's wrap it up. Give us one more nugget from the Chris Prefontaine over the course of your big journey that you would love to leave with other listeners, entrepreneurs. Um, okay, so I'll give a generic one that's not real estate because again, I think it could affect more people. And that is, regardless of what it is you want to do, pick the niche or the market or the industry, whatever it is for you. I don't care if it's, I want to go open a restaurant, pick whatever it is. Second, it gets harder and harder now. There's only three steps. Second is find someone in that industry niche or business that has done exactly what you want to do and where you want to be. And I mean, personally too, because if you follow someone that had huge success in anything and they wrecked their marriage or their kids relate, like that's no good. So pick someone that really has the experience. They've been through different challenges, but they also have the lifestyle you want. And third, once you do that, put the blinders on for 36 months. Don't let shiny objects hit you. Just blinders on for 36 months and keep in touch with the person you found in step two, you'll have a great experience. You can't lose there if you do that. Mm, that is awesome. I love it. Three years, 36 months, blinders on. You bet. Cool. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much, Chris. Really appreciate your time today. Thank you. Awesome chat. Thank you for listening to Sacrifice to Success podcast. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the show, please check out the link in the show notes and you can find all of the details there. If you got something out of this interview, would you please take a moment to share on social media? You can just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to somebody or post it on the socials. Let's see if we can change the narrative of social media and post valuable, positive content. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content, so to make sure you don't miss any episodes, please go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and they mean a lot to me. If you'd like to know more, go to my website, davidweavercoach.com or you can follow me on LinkedIn or Facebook. Those links are also in the show notes. And I do also have a free training on my website as well. So thank you so much for listening and we will see you next time. Thank you.